Abba Yahweh. Thank you again. Ah, yet again. Infinite grace and mercies that you just pour out, Father, for the opportunity for me to be in your treasury. Thank you for that, Father. They that have an ear to let them hear, shake the scales from their eyes so that they can look all around you and see the declaration of, from the rocks, the hills, and the plains, and the trees. That song that was written, it's a Christmas song, but Father God, it's a declaration of all the truth. Joy that comes to the world let earth receive her king, and sadly they did not. They rebuked him. But he didn't come as a king. He came as a sacrificial lamb. He will return as our Lord and King, Father God. And then, and then, those that still fail will be compelled to recognize, declare, and bow to the Lord, King Jesus as promises, your word, your promises. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Barakitos, Aman. So, brothers and sisters, I'm going to touch on that since I brought it up. You know, people, mammon think that they're so decisive and these things are all their their speculative writings and ponderings and changes are what matters. Some share some pretty profound things, but they think it's all their idea. Well, let's go back to this song, Joy to the World. I've shared it with you before, brothers and sisters, and Joy to the World. Is it just a Christmas song? Why is it just sung at Christmas time? And if you... Pull the lyrics or you get the page and you look and you read the lyrics. That song is not about Christmas. It's about our king and only those that knew of his word and know who he is. And we can now look where we're sitting and look past and say, yeah, he, he was a king. How sad, how sad. But the thing of it is, they didn't know at that time. Their expectations, just like our expectations, will sometimes destroy what we're walking in and tear apart what we're walking in or what we should be walking in. But because we have not received what we expect, it's the same exact thing when Jesus came. They were expecting a conquering king. Because the prophets had talked about his royalty. But they didn't pay attention to all the words of the prophets. Just like people take things out of context from the Bible now. Even those that claim to be Christian will not contextually read the Bible. And they take things out of context. <coughs> and then they get agitated and disturbed. And then they start changing, twisting, maligning, and perverting the word of God. And then they get on a podium and they declare that we're teaching the word of God wrong because God condemns people to hell. Oh, my goodness gracious. No, he doesn't. People condemn people to hell. They make a choice. God created us with a free will choice. He gave us love, though we didn't deserve it. We were destroying each other. We were destroying the planet. We were hurting each other, harming each other. But he said... 
in his word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. And see, here's the foolishness, but have everlasting light. And they that refuse have condemned themselves already. It has nothing to do with God condemning. If you choose not to believe, you choose not to have faith, then you have condemned yourself. God's not condemning you. Why? See, mammon has to have somebody to blame for everything. Yeah, everything. They have to blame somebody for everything. If it's not going their way, and it's not working out that way. They have to blame someone or something other than themselves because they like to put the onus on someone else. Just like the gentleman that I encountered the other night was, oh my gosh. And then it turned into a racial issue. It had nothing to do with race. And of course, because the man's eyes, looking through eyes of mammon, saw me, and I didn't appear like the Hollywood, Hippocrywood, Native American... I had to be a white guy, and then it had to be a racial thing. And then it had to be my fear of him proving me wrong. Well, it had nothing to do with any of that. So I just prayed for him and prayed for the healing of his heart. Because that's where that comes from. Remember, I, I may not get it right, but, but one of my favorite teachers, I've shared this with you before, the two natures beat within my chest. One I love, the other I detest. And what nature do I profess? What nature do I have? And that would be the nature that I nurture the best. Do I nurture that hatred, that derisiveness, the darkness? Or do I hate, uh, nurture that I love? So, brothers and sisters, we have to have some key things for all these things to take place and to work out and to <coughs> reveal. Pardon me. I'm going to expound a little bit on, on what was shared, that, that, that Jesus Christ came because of Yahweh, our good father is in love with with us, his creation, has given us an opportunity to be adopted into the family of God, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He's afforded that opportunity. He's also put in writing and declared by Paul in his letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 8, my adoption letter, and it could be that for anyone. All are his creation, but all are not in the family. Haven't been adopted. All you have to do, brothers and sisters, this is an opportunity for you. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, his gospel. The only thing that you have to do is you... Jesus, I want to have you in my life. I want my life to change. I want to have faith in God. I want to have the Holy Spirit guide my steps. Jesus' name, amen. No big parade, no big band. No, but you go, you go, you, you get and you sit in quiet time 
And then you start talking. And then you declare. And then you believe. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Sorry about that. So, believing. Believing. I'm going to go back over here and I'm going I'm to pull this up. Because I think this is very important because you have some twisted, perverted individuals that are maligning us and saying that, that it's incorrect, that God condemns us. And that's not at all. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is a very important thing that whosoever believeth in him. And that's in John three fifteen. And then further, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now here's the important part that so many people miss out on and then they start making it this racial derisive coloration, tonation thing, which is a bunch of poppycock anyway. God decided the tonation of the skin and mammon decides who they're going to love and who they're going to not love. And that's ridiculous. The tonation of one's skin does not matter. And many of these individuals that come at me and try to throw this racial stuff up don't realize that I have more true African blood in my veins than they probably do in theirs. And that's just a biological fact. Can they trace their heritage and their history back straight, straight line over 200 years? Do they know where their family comes from? Do they know those members of the family back then? No, but they just like to throw it up because that's the way of mammon. For God sent not his son into the world. And when the Bible declares world, they're not talking about the world of white men. They're not talking about the world of black men, Native Americans, Asians, Mexicans, Latinos, Latinos de la America del Sur. They're not talking about any of that. They're talking about the world. The gospel is talking about the world, which includes everyone who decides to listen and believe and have faith. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And then there are going to be those that will try to twist, malign, and pervert the word and say, well, yeah, he is. He's condemned. No, he's not. There's a choice made. You have a choice to loot and rob and pillage the stores that are in neighborhoods that you claim to be your neighborhoods, but yet because you weren't getting your way, you destroy those businesses and burn them out anyway. And guess what? They belong to you people that live in your neighborhood. 
They didn't belong to those that you thought you were attacking. And even those that posted signs on their businesses, this is a black-owned business. This is not burned out and destroyed anyway. People made a choice to loot, rob, and destroy, destroy and be condemners rather than lifting up each other, helping each other, and loving each other. They made a choice. And that choice was that nature that's in their chest, the one that is hateful. It's like that analogy I shared with you. The young man goes to the pastor. He's got a dream he's been having. Pastor, I've had this dream. I have two dogs. And I don't understand the dream, what it's trying to tell me. The pastor says, well, young man, tell me the dream. He says, well, I have two dogs. One is black and one is white. The black dog is really mean and nasty and vicious and just so hateful. And the white dog likes everybody and, you know, whenever I put food down for the white dog, the black dog comes in and they fight and fuss and, and I don't understand the dream. And this went on for a little while and then finally the young man didn't show up to talk with the pastor as he had been on a regular basis. So the pastor comes to me, he says, well, young man, he says, what? I haven't seen you in a while. He goes, well, the dream stopped. So the pastor asked me, he said, well, what happened? Which dog won? And he just looked at the pastor, he said, the one I fed the best, and then walked away. So here, brothers and sisters, you have those individuals that will choose to look at this as being a racial issue. It's got nothing to do with race. It's got to do with darkness and light. Darkness and light. In the shadows and darkness where the enemy lives. Where his minions crawl and slither and scatter. Where the Chaldeans will lay and wait to ambush where the demons tread in darkness because they don't like the light. Light confuses them. They've lived in darkness for so long and it's changed their nature. Let's go to a little direction here, a little directional change. I'll look at... Uh, there are those my age and younger that may be familiar with a film called Lord of the Rings, which I thought was a very fascinating, I read it first when I was, uh, I had this young lady that I was interested in, keenly interested in as a young man, she shared the book with me and I immediately fell in love with his writing, J.R.R. Tolkien. And if you remember, there was a character in his book, it used to be called, Schmiegel. But he fell into darkness. He had taken the life of his brother and fell, ran away from his people, ran away from those that loved and cared for him, and ran away and fell into darkness, crawled into darkness, and there lived. And he was changed. He was changed. He was changed into Gollum. <clears throat> Gollum was 
now a creature of darkness. Detested the light. The light hurt his eyes. The light bothered him. He didn't like the light. The light exposed him to what he had changed into. And he didn't like it. The minions of the enemy don't like the light because it shows them out for what they are. Brothers and sisters, these analogies that are used are for light and darkness. They have nothing to do, but there will be those that claim that they are a a racial issue because that's what they look for. I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters. I'll share it with you as many times as it takes, as often as necessary, and that may be until I draw my last breath and it doesn't matter. I know where it's coming from. Brothers and sisters, they that seek offense shall surely find offense. If you seek the righteous things of God, you will find them. So to expound on this that I shared with you about Jesus Christ and the, and this this lesson <clears throat> I'm sorry brothers and sisters <clears throat> goodness ah the enemy see the enemy likes to do little silly things like that thinks he's going to get me rattled and stop not going to happen because the word of God is too important to share and I've signed an agreement that I will that contract, the only thing that God asks of us to do. So Jesus Christ came and he did many things. But the most important of all is that he laid down his life as the sacrificial lamb. He did not come as the reigning king, which everyone was looking for in, in his expectations. So what destroys or builds up so many things, even in our world, on this plane of existence, is expectations. But here's the important thing we have to really remember. And see, I I fell prey to that and actually destroyed something that was very beautiful. And I miss a lot but I don't live and dwell on that past. I'm not wallering in that. I'm not, um, you know, in that pain. I just kind of look back. But I remember in looking back that I'm remembering that God was with me. I just didn't know it at that time. Foolishly, wasn't paying attention. But our expectations produce things in our lives that we ultimately will regret or will be really a good thing and we can either rejoice in it or we will regret that happening. But here's the thing that we can't live and dwell in that regret. We can miss what might have happened, but but when you dwell, it's the same. Let's go to being, you can have fear, that's okay, but don't be fearful because if you're fearful, that drives your reactions, your actions, 
replies, responses, and it throws a great variance curve into what you normally would do. And that's what's happening with so many people around. And this is a controlling factor that certain entities want to have. And they believe that it helps them have that control issue that they want. But here's what we have to realize. Brother and sister, what's going on around us is also in prophecy. And there is, it's a different agenda. People are misunderstanding things. Don't be fearful. You can look back and be saddened at something that, that fell off or didn't work out that you could regret. But don't live and dwell and waller in that regret. If you live and dwell in the past, then you're falling prey to what the enemy wants. Because when you do that, then you become discouraged, you become dismayed, you become melancholy every time you walk around. And maybe that's why some of those people that you see shuffling through church don't look up and make eye contact and they stay with their head bowed and this you look at them and it's like oh my wow are you okay what's the matter oh no poor poor miserable me and then they like they they love they love to waller in that i had opportunity when I was a young person to meet an older woman that was going to our church, lived very closely. She walked every day to church and, and I was quite interested because she just always wore these things from a different era. And I had asked about her and, and was explained about her that, and my God, this woman was history. She was walking history. And then I attempted to chat with her a couple times. And after the second time, I went a third. And um, <laughs> I just, I couldn't do it anymore. The, whatever came out was about her misery. It was always about misery, always about misery. But she came to church and, you know, then I started kind of watching and of course I should have been focusing on other things, but I was a kid and I wasn't walking with the Lord like I should be. But she was only going through motions. There was no emotion. So brothers and sisters, living in that is where the enemy wants us to be. Now, prayerfully, I will see her again when I get home. That would be a good thing. But I'm going to see her as she used to be, not the way she was when I was a kid. I'm going to see her the way she was with no more pain, no more anguish, no more tears. And the thing of it is that even in individuals like that, we cannot make judgment because we don't know what got them to where they are. This woman walked through pages of history. There's going to be a come a day and time, I'm certain, Lord willing, if he allows, that someone is going to take a look at me. Brother and sister, let me tell you something. I've walked through some history. And he's blessed me with the opportunity to be where I am now and doing what I am now. Because this is about sharing the word of God. And this is not about Raven Whitehawk. It's not a Raven Whitehawk attaboy session or platform. God brought this to me, this opportunity, and this is about 
his word, his gospel, and the gospel of Jesus Christ's only begotten son who came to deliver salvation to the world. But I share that to get to the just. <laughs> I know I've said it a couple of times. I'm going to expound on what was shared already. Jesus Christ is our rock. Jesus, let's see if I can remember how this song. Jesus is a rock on which I stand all of the ground of sinking sand. Okay, so I alluded to that and I touched on that a little bit that, that sinking sand is something that becomes... And, and actually... You know, after I shared that with you the other day, I got to got to work and started on that slippery slope that was taking me down into the quicksand. And oh my goodness gracious, it's it is truthful, brothers and sisters. The actual fact that you know I started noticing that okay, that that oh my gosh, that oh oh my gosh, that. And you know, this is about those that choose to not do what they're supposed to do or what we're supposed to do as an employee of this particular place. And so I started doing it, and then I started that little grumbling and griping in my head. Well, after the second or third time, and then just doing it, I, I was finding that I, I was actually able to find more to gripe about that I shouldn't have been. And I was like, oh, I had to put a quash to that right there. I asked God to forgive me. I asked the Holy Spirit for the guidance, and I said, I just have to do and correct, and that's it and try to help them by being an, a good example. And it goes to some analogies of you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Well, you can bring the word of God and the gospel to an individual, but you can't make them listen. And that's not our job is to make them listen. So that foundation is Jesus Christ. His gospel comes to us and he came for a purpose. But a catalyst, if you will, a foundational catalyst that's very important, that is key and utmost. And if, any, if anyone has done tile work, laid bricks, mason work, and... Um, there's different techniques that you can use and you don't use mortar and cement, but if you're doing an upright structure or something that needs to stand upright, oh, the metaphor and analogies, brothers and sisters, are coming. Remember, we talked about those words. So if that structure is going to be upright, there's a catalytic ingredient that is required, and that is called mortar or cement. What is our mortar so that our foundation can be built upright and help us to stand in righteous uprightness? A little twist on words. But to help us to stand upright, to be seen, and then what do we put in that pinnacle? We establish that light. Jesus Christ talked about the city on the hill that can be seen. And what is being seen is the light from that city. The light, brothers and sisters. It's like that great lighthouse. And there's one, I believe it's a Greek, one of the seven wonders of the world. It's, it's ginormous. It's so tall. It's so huge. It's so big. 
the light from this lighthouse can be seen for miles out into the ocean. What purpose to draw the sailors who were lost on the dark sea to safe haven. And they knew which side of the lighthouse they needed to be on when they were going in the in the direction of that. They knew which side to be on so they didn't steer their ship into the rocks and they could steer to the opening of the safe haven, the protected bay from stormy seas, the waves, the wind, and they could have a place to go in, get food, resupply, and rest, a haven of rest. Brothers and sisters, that's what our light is to do. But that catalytic building is faith. That building material is faith. Without that faith, without that structural building on the foundation, without faith, there's nothing. This is why God has established just some ingredients for our salvations. They're quite simple, really. Accept that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. Have faith in him and asked and let the Holy Spirit guide our steps. But a key ingredient is faith. There were several instances, and Jesus Christ pointed these things out. When Jesus Christ went to his own hometown, Nazareth, he didn't stay, he didn't stay long at all. Matter of fact, he walked away from them, and just like he told the disciples when he sent them into the world, he said, I send you into the world amongst the wolves, the ravening wolves that will seek to destroy, to kill and destroy. He said, I send you out there. And if you encounter a city and they don't, and they listen, then stay with them as long as they will listen. And when they don't listen anymore, they don't want to listen at all, you just turn walk away, stomp your feet, take and shake the dust and walk and just walk. So these incidents is kind of hard for me personally because of my the character that was established from a, a kid and having to be as I was growing up with four older brothers. And then continuing on and having been in the Marine Corps uh, <laughs> and having that fighting spirit established, which is not necessary all the time because the Holy Spirit will guide you will be with you, and the battles are fought, but you're told which ones to to fight and be part of and which ones are his to take. And there are those that misunderstand so much that's said in the Bible. They're not listening. They're only taking out what they want to hear. You're only hearing what you want to hear. Ever hear that statement made before? But it's true. So Jesus Christ went back to Nazareth, his own hometown. And what did they start throwing up in his face? Why should we listen to you? We know who you are. Well, you're the son of that carpenter that lives down that crooked path on the edge of town down there. You're his own. We know your brothers and sisters. We know your whole family. Why should we listen to anything that you have to say? What authority do you have? Oh, my goodness gracious. And he encountered that all over the place. 
So he left. He walked away. And he couldn't stay there because they had no faith. They didn't exhibit any faith. Why? Because they were dwelling on the past that came and evolved into the present time that they were in. We know who your family is. We know where you came from. Ah, we know where you came from. No, you don't. You only heard about where he came from. You know, or you think you know, that he came from Joseph and Mary. He was raised by them, but he came from heaven to save your soul. But you rebuked him instead. Why? Because you exhibited no faith in anything that he had to say. When he got onto the ship, and it was stormy on the Sea of Galilee, the tiny ship was tossed. Oh, sorry, I almost went a directional. I won't do that. I will refrain. So the small ship that they were in was getting tossed about. Jesus Christ was laying down in the back, and he went to sleep. He knows who he is. He knows where he came from. And those that were walking with him constantly, day in and day out around and, and seeing him do things, they became fearful. And they woke him up because they were afraid. Oh, ye of little faith. First thing, and then he just like, in such agitation, almost as if it was a, well, you know, I wasn't there, but I'm thinking as I read the scripture that uh, the secondary thought was, okay, peace be still. The way he said it was, I think, I go back and I read it again, is it was that way. It wasn't this lilty, you know, he, he was woken up, he was sleeping, he was tired. I mean, he'd been all day long. And because the disciples were not exhibiting any faith, Jesus Christ was physically with them there on that boat. Was that boat going to be destroyed or something was going to be destroyed with him on it? I don't think so. But they didn't have faith in that. So he was woken from his sleep and he declared their lack of faith and he was there with them physically. So he turned around to the ocean as if to say, you know, you got them afraid. They woke me up. Peace be still. And it just stopped. Everything was calm. And then they're like, oh, what manner of man is this? Excuse me. You have been with him for days and days and days, day in, day out. You watch him do these things. And now he does this. And you ask who he is. What manner of man is this? This is the almighty son of God. The son of God, the maker of all things made. And if we go back to John, and let's go down here. First John, we'll go down to 114. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of all the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses... 
but grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, um, Who art thou? So, John the Baptist had been in prison uh, a lot, actually. And they came to question him, but he was denying that he was not Christ. He was anointed of God. He was directed by the Holy Spirit to be doing certain things, but to announce the entrance into the world of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Joy to the world, but the earth received him not. They rebuked him instead and wound up crucifying him because he didn't enter as a king. An expectation and the lack of faith that he is who he said he was. He told them. He stood right before them. And the arrogant Sanhedrin declared their knowledge of the law and the scripture, but he said, you claim to know my father, and if you know my father, then you know me. Lord, the truth, and the truth stands before you, but they didn't understand that. Jesus Christ declared, and John declares this, that Jesus Christ declared, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and they didn't understand it. And I am, sound familiar? Declared of God, I am. That's all you need to tell them. Who sent me? I am sent you. Interesting thing about that little short phrase, I am. It doesn't denote any past tense. He didn't say, I will be, but no matter the procession and time where you are, I am. I am. Always present, always there. Just like he declares with us in anything that we get involved in. He is there beside us, but what we don't exhibit is our faith. Go to the Hall of Faith, brothers and sisters, Hebrews 11. I shared that with you, and there are those that have mammalian theological degrees that call it the same thing, and they agree. The Hall of Faith. But yet, when you read through that, and it declares the faith that was established and Paul establishes it, those individuals that are listed there, yes, they became very powerful in their walk in faith, but when they started... They were in that quagmire, that, that sinking sand. They had fallen prey to that slippery slope and came down into that sinking sand. And I shared this with you too. Are not these things that are offensive in that sinking sand, are not they established of our, something established of our own creation? They are indeed, brothers and sisters. But in faith, we can grab onto and hold onto and our hope will reach to us and hold us and pull us onto that firm foundation. And then we can build on that firm foundation and be upright and righteous and bold and it becomes a structure of righteousness and not fearfulness. And that foundation is being established with the mix of faith 
in Jesus Christ, that foundation that we're building, and we build it and work on it and establish it and continue building with our catalytic ingredients, faith. For without faith, brothers and sisters, you cannot see what has been established by his coming and giving his life for each of us. Brothers and sisters, working in conjunction, this is, again, back to the word of God. Believe that Jesus Christ came for you. Believe. It has to do with faith. And have faith in me. And the Holy Spirit will guide. Jesus told his disciples that I have to go and prepare a place for you. If I don't, it's not going to get done. I, I need to go up there and direct things. I am the architect. I am the builder. The word of God says that he was with God and is with established from the first. And all things were made. And, with, and all things consist. They just aren't established and put on a shelf. They consist because he is in them. <coughs> Pardon me. Brothers and sisters, he is in and part of all of us, but we have to have faith in that. Faith in that established presence that is in all of us that we have that ability. Do not turn away. Let us be and uplift one another in prayer. Jesus Christ prays for us intercessory prayers every single day. We are told that by the word of God. That's established. He acts as our high priest in heaven. He prays for each and every one of us every day. The word of God says so. I believe it says it is truth. My faith tells me that it's true. My faith tells me that I have seen too many things that show me that God is involved in our my life. The Holy Spirit is guiding my steps. I have seen and experienced too many things that are real and happening and truthful and established in my life. I only pray that the enemy does not become so strong that in my fearful mind's eye, I see and reject. That is not gonna happen and I pray for that strength. Paul wrote most of his epistles either under house arrest, in prison, and a couple that he wrote even while he was chained. Why did they chain? They chained him inside of a prison. Now, this is interesting. Okay, here's something interesting that some people might miss out on. And Peter was also in a situation like that when the angel came and delivered him out of prison. They were walking outside of the prison. What, what, wait, Peter's looking around and they're not even in the prison anymore. But they were put in there. They were inside of a prison. They were chained inside of a prison and they had guards that were established. Paul and Peter both wound up in a situation like that. What that tells me is that there was something that these individuals that, hated what they were talking about so much, there was obviously something that bothered them, an intrinsic ingredient that bothered them that they felt they had to chain them up inside of a prison and establish the guards mounted around them? Hmm. Did they have some inkling 
were, and what did they think? That this is the power of heaven that these individuals were talking about, and this is what I talk about, the power of heaven that God will pour out if we have faith and ask and believe in him, and that faith, no matter what the detour is the road, there may be a delay because God knows best. We can't see. We have to know that tomorrow is not promised, brothers and sisters. We walk in faith and not by sight. The individuals in Hebrews 11, they all floundered and they tried to take matters into their own hand at first, but then reestablished their faith in God and walk in that profound belief that God is Adonai Elroy. Hagar declared out in the wilderness her baby was dying, she thought, and she declared Adonai Elroy, which means... Lord God who sees me. God who sees me. Adonai, sovereign God of power. Sovereign God sees me wandering in the wilderness, wandering in the darkness, wandering and floundering, and he sees me. Torrin Wells, I think I'm saying that right, the... the Contemporary Christian singer sings of this. He sings about being on the mountaintop, which God helped him get to, which he does with all of our lives. It's a, it's a song called Hills and Valleys, but then he also sings about being in the valley. But I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. God sees him. He sees me. He sees you. You have faith, brothers and sisters, that no matter what, you have to have faith. The song, The Rescue, I love this because God promises in his word that he's gonna be with us all the time. And it doesn't matter how deep the darkness, God's coming. If you're one of, if you're one of that flock, he's coming. If you're out there in the darkness, and you left, and he left the 99, and he's coming. It doesn't matter what the fray is. He will be there and in the midst. And you feel like you're being attacked from all around. Many of the churches Paul wrote to were because of that. They were surrounded by Greeks, Romans, Gentile belief, pagan beliefs, orgies, all sorts of nasty stuff that was going on around them. And they felt besieged. They were surrounded and he exhorted them, uplifted them, prayed, and told them to have faith and hold on. Brothers and sisters, this is our catalyst for the foundation so that we can build that lighthouse. And ultimately, that's what we're building. We're not building up this tower like the Tower of Babel. We're building a lighthouse so that the light of righteousness can shine out and be bright. Remember, brothers and sisters, that reflected light for some scientific reason that physicists haven't explained well enough to me. Haven't, I haven't been able to figure out. I think I've got this figured out, but for me now, it's the established word of God that we need to reflect that light. Reflect the light. And there is an actual physical formula, physicist formula, to establish why refracted or bent light is more intense than direct light. Not quite sure I understand that completely, but I don't need to. I know that the Bible tells me that that's what I must do. 
But there is actually a physical formula for that. That bent light, reflected light is more powerful. Why do you think that in the headlights of an automobile, they have that reflective surface in the back? And when you look at these really intense lights, and yeah, they have LEDs and all that stuff, but they are being reflected outward. And they're pretty intense. And some of them, I think, when I see these drivers going down the road like that, pretty foolish because they're, they're not really helping anything. They point them up so they blind people. Not sure what that is. But the reflected light that we shine out there into the darkness is to establish a path to haven of rest, a safe haven. That's what we are about, brothers and sisters. Reflect that light, have faith and walk in faith, not by sight. And so it can be a hard practice, brothers and sisters, but be encouraged by this, that God is with us. Adonai Elroy, sovereign God who sees me. He sees me. Brothers and sisters, this must be something that we can establish as a mantra for us to leave when we get in a, in a tough jam. Cry out those words that Hagar cried out. She did. She was alone. She had her baby out there. She was tossed out of the house. Because why? Because Sarai decided to try to take things under her control instead of having faith in God. But she's in a hall of faith because she then became a powerful believer in, in faith. But God had to establish this. So she decided to take matters into her own hands because God couldn't possibly have her bear a child. Couldn't possibly allow that Abram would be able to put a seed and, and that they would have a child. That can possibly be done by God, the creator of all things, the maker of all things made. You know, no. Nah. Okay, oh, ye of little faith, Sarai. So she took Hagar and said, here, you go in with him and, you know, you'll have him. You're, you're young and still virile. So you go in there and you lay with my husband and we'll have a baby and it'll be our child and so forth and so on. But anyway, that's the story. You can read about that. And that happened, but then Hagar went out into the wilderness because Sarai, then in, she started getting jealous and hateful and spiteful and all this stuff. So she tells Abram, she goes, you send her away. I don't even want her here anymore. Well, wait a second. You got this all stirred up. You walked out without faith and you got it all gone and you put the situation together. Ooh, that quagmire, that sinking sand, which is something that we all get involved in. And brother and sister, just like I talked about, that analogy with the uh, knickers in a twist. You look for a fence, they get twisted, now you're squirming and all uncomfortable. If you seek a fence, you will surely find a fence. She sought to find a fence in Hagar, but she established the situation. So Hagar was put out, and then she cried out to God. Adonai Elroy, sovereign God who sees me and an angel answered her cry, gave her water and saved her and established that seed that came from Abraham to be a great and mighty nation as well. Because he said that was the seed of Abraham and it was indeed. And Ishmael became a powerful leader. So brothers and sisters, faith. Do we flounder and start sinking in the choir? And here's the other thing you have to remember about sinking sand, which is quicksand. The more you struggle, the faster you sink. 
So, do you get so much stuff stirred up and then can't get it all accomplished and then get so agitated and roiled up, you start squirming around and become... And then what happens? More things start to go wrong and you're trying to do things faster in order to get finished and then you lose a very small screw that has to go in there and then you get agitated because now you've lost a key component that holds something else to another key component and now you've dropped it and lost it because it's so small and you can't find it. Why? Because you're trying to get it done and trying to do it so fast and do everything on your own. Hmm. Sounds like something I've done before. Uh, maybe. Yeah. So here's the thing, brothers and sisters, that sinking sand and the quicksand and the things that we get into, it's on our own. The offenses that we see out there, are they really an offense or are they something that we are trying to make offensive and then put the onus on somebody else because we're claiming that it offends us? Case in point, that individual the other day came right in there and wanted to prove that he was right. That's all it was about, was that he wanted to prove that he was right and I was wrong. And then it became a racial thing. So the more he tried to establish, and then he tried to convince others that it was a racial thing. There were those that didn't want to hear it. They just got up and walked and moved away from him. And then he was wound up all by himself, way back in the corner by himself, and still muttering about the whole thing. So, brothers and sisters, is this about shedding the light and not being of the nature of darkness? Or are we of the nature of light? That's what we have to have faith in, brothers and sisters. Be upright and build the lighthouse. And that lighthouse establishes to others the reflective light that we establish that we don't want to hide. You can't hide it under a bushel. You got to put it out there so people see it and draw them to a safe haven. Okay? That's what this is about. Faith in God and believing that Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself as a sacrificial lamb. But brothers and sisters, my faith tells me that he's going to come back as he promised that he would do as the triumphant lion of the tribe of Judah and our Lord King Jesus Christ. He didn't come then because that wasn't what was established. He came to sacrifice but he will come back as our Lord and King and will establish a kingdom. My faith tells me that that's true. What does your faith tell you? Brothers and sisters, I pray for you. You have a good day. Be blessed.